Welcome to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I am honored to share with you the philosophy that has underscored my personal and professional life and explore how osteopathy truly is for the health of all things. I see these principles in action every day in my varied roles as physician, parent, athlete, writer, musician, coach, and entrepreneur, and hope they will light the way for the path to your best health. Please note that while I am a physician, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Thank you for joining me for episode 24 of season one of this osteopathic life. I've returned from an unintended hiatus that simply occurred secondary to the busyness of life. And I'm okay with the pause and appreciative of the events that transpired in the gap between episodes, but also more acutely aware of the importance of scheduling specific times framed out for these recordings and in general the organization that's needed to really maintain those things that are priorities but that don't often fit the specific criteria, for example, our job or school or things with firm deadlines external to ourselves that require a little bit more structure and organization for optimal function. So I'll apply that first tenet of osteopathy to the podcast practice and hopefully get on track with the weekly updates. I will say that in the interim, I have managed a daily blog output regarding my initiation and orientation to the Osteopathic Health Policy Fellowship that took place over the course of this past week. And I'm so excited for this program and my class of fellows and the directors and the places we will go in Dr. Seuss fashion, both this year and hopefully beyond. You know, this is kind of the launch pad for moving into other arenas, and I'm sure that will present itself periodically through the podcast over the next year. And also, I'd encourage you, if you have time and are so willing, able, and interested to look on the website and subscribe to the blog, and my goal is to have a daily output of a reflection on the experience, which sometimes will come from live experiences and engagements and other times from the work I'm doing behind the scenes to prepare, and also reflections on daily life and civic circumstances and issues that transpire through the new lens of thought processes that are associated with being a health policy fellow. So I can make some grace and space for myself with that addition to programming. I initially intended to record this episode a week ago and I was uh, taken up with time coming back to Traverse City and had the opportunity and the honor to present at the summer conference primary care update for the Michigan Association of Osteopathic Family Physicians or MAOFP that took place in our Michigan hometown of Traverse City. 
and I was kind of the wrap-up lecturer and part of a three-physician panel talking about physician wellness. And in that lecture, I double-titled it or subtitled it with Expanding the Osteopathic Concept for the Best Health of Self. And my hope with the lecture, speaking to osteopathic family physicians in the state of Michigan, was to highlight opportunities to utilize osteopathic philosophy to improve their own health personally and the health of their professional practice and consequently affect positively the care and health of their patients. And I got good feedback on the lecture, um, some that I could have a stronger opening and that it really got rolling during the latter half when we did an illustration or visualization of health. And we might get into that a little later in this episode, but I'd like to review some of the the concepts that came up through the course of that lecture and in some of the panel discussion that transpired afterward and see how some of that could serve you in your personal and professional health and get us all thinking a little bit more about how to more broadly expand and implement osteopathic philosophy and practice. The concept of wellness is a tricky one. You know, it's this multi-million or maybe even billion dollar industry. It's something I'd have to investigate the most recent statistics. And it can feel elitist. Sometimes it can can feel like a band-aid option. It can feel like it's missing the mark sometimes of the nitty gritty of healthcare delivery. And that it takes place in kind of this parallel universe of you know, salon or spa type treatments. And that's really not the purpose of it. You know, thinking of wellness for me is looking at a more comprehensive approach to health and trying to do so from a place of positivity, as we've talked about with osteopathy, seeing the health, accentuating the positive and the possibility and the predisposition toward the health seeing where there might be interruptions and removing those barriers, kind of smoothing and connecting those paths where a detour might have been drawn. And in that bucket of wellness, another buzz word or words actually, or phrase that comes up is self-care. And as we talked about in the two perspective episodes, that can put a lot of onus on the individual. It can make it a bit of a blame game you're not well because you did this. You know, it's your fault, it's your responsibility, and there are merits in creating that sense of autonomy, giving the sense of control and power to the person, but it needs to be supported through the recognition that our social and environmental and community factors play a significant role and Addressing those, supporting those, seeing where the gaps or the weaknesses in those systems exist and appropriately bolstering them is really what's going to make possible self-care for all people. My two co-panelists did a great job of highlighting 
methods for which you can begin to implement that individually driven self-care yoga and in a very simple way a home practice a brief practice you could do at your desk that was really brilliant and mindfulness and meditation which admittedly for me remains a practice I've kind of left in this gray zone and would like to explore and certainly dedicate more time to and get over the initial perception that if you can't do it well or meditate long enough, why bother at all? And certainly there's merits to just beginning, right? Taking the first step in the first moment and even a brief pause. And so I appreciated their components and also extrapolating that out into how the system can be modified and can be either detractory or supportive of those practices. And that moved into a second component of the lecture in that meeting of system management. And it can feel very difficult when you're employed, especially in a very large health system, or if you're not in medicine and you're in a place where you don't have a say or a valid vote or a sense of capacity for change yourself in a system when you can clearly see where the struggles might be and where the blinders are on and where resources aren't adequate or aren't appropriately allocated, but to not be able to affect change there. And for me, that was what the purpose of seeking this osteopathic health policy fellowship was to gain education and insight and awareness and connections and learn how to be a more effective change maker and see what the opportunities are for participation. And I'll say that just after this first week of orientation, it's clear to me that there are many opportunities if we're willing to go there, if we're willing to maybe shift viewpoints a bit. Um, We certainly have a benefit from being a physician and taking an advocacy role, but they don't always occur in places that feel directly doctoring or even in the healthcare environment. There are certainly those. There are committees and boards and you know, faculty advisories and institutions that can more directly relate to the medical world and healthcare. But health, as we've talked about throughout all of these episodes, occurs in many places and all around us. And advocating for health can occur in other settings as well. You know, writing an opinion piece in the paper, going to school board meetings or being on the board, looking at what civic movements are happening in your community and where they're not and where you might be able to either plug in or create that opportunity. So system management was another method of supporting physician wellness. For me, practicing gratitude has been a key piece, particularly through this year. As I've told some of my story through the course of these 24 episodes, there's been some chaos and some tumult and some realignment and reassignment in our lives, both personally and professionally. And the one piece that's been quite helpful for me, particularly in these last six months, is starting each day with four 
items of gratitude. And I started this initially in the first of the year in a different version and kind of writing out with intention and manifestation principles, things you know that I hoped for, was working toward in a way as if they'd already happened. And I will say that didn't work for me. And maybe it would if I implemented it longer term or changed the nuance a bit. But what's been more effective, centering, grounding, reassuring, is just writing out, I am grateful for something, and it's usually a one word, and something can be something like breakfast, or my family, or a sunrise, or the lakes, as it's been for most of the summer. And I'll follow it up with a little bit of reflection on that. I usually give myself four lines for each item, and it feels a little bit also like a creative expression, a bit of poetry to accompany the gratitude. And I really enjoyed that piece of it as well. And at the bottom of the page, I then set an intention for the day. And I write it in the phrase, today I will. And it's usually just one word. You know, perform, work, remember, forgive. You know, it can be, usually it's a reflection on what happened the day before and what I'm hoping to learn from that and take into the next day. But those two pieces, you know, it takes up one page in this little spiral bound notebook that I have has been really helpful. And I can tell the days when I don't get it done right away in the morning. And it really has been few and far between that I haven't been able to do that. But the day doesn't feel as good. It doesn't feel as structured. It's not as organized. I can't kind of anchor myself back to that intention. And when I have written it, it reminds me where I am, where I intended to go, how I can get there and puts in that space of gratitude, remembering all those people and resources and kindnesses that I've experienced that really help my mindset. So I'd extend that to you as a potential practice. And maybe all of us can challenge ourselves to the meditation piece, or maybe you're already doing so. And you can provide feedback on the website or comment under the podcast on Facebook and share what you found to be a successful physician wellness, personal wellness, self-care practice. In the lecture, as I mentioned, it was reflected to me that perhaps it could be a stronger opening. I'm thinking about something like a TED Talk where you really want to draw people in from the beginning and remembering that they haven't been with you the whole way along this trajectory. So I know what this osteopathic life means to me, and we've had these episodes of the podcast and certainly listeners who've been listening right along or periodically since the beginning might have a better sense of it, but others may not. And it can also be hard to wrap your head around how other people relate to a concept that you spend so much time in. We get these blinders of specialization and things that seem like common knowledge to you because you're doing it every day. You know, if you're in a particular medical specialty, some of these facts and findings and treatments that seem really obvious to you don't to your patients and may not to a colleague who isn't as well versed in that specialty. And there's an art to bridging that gap between what you see is very basic and the others might see is quite profound and sharing them in a meaningful way for both of you. 
And for me, with the osteopathic philosophy, certainly all these physicians have been exposed to it and hopefully trained in it and ideally practicing it every day, but also perhaps not in our system that has become more allopathic, that has become more fast-paced and doesn't always leave space for some of the nuance of osteopathy. And maybe for some, it just hasn't been either on a priority list or it hasn't been a nurturing environment that brings them back to it. And so really sitting with the osteopathic tenets in a practical and meaningful way can be really enjoyable for me. And I was pleased to hear feedback from some of the physicians who were hearing things in a new way. And that was really important and part of the purpose of the lecture. So I'm going to test out what I might practice as my new opener, and I'll have the opportunity, gratefully, to give this lecture in some different settings over the next year, that osteopathy can save the world. And as I say that, I think, well, does the world need saving? You know, if we're operating from a health perspective, do we look at it as something that's broken or dysfunctional or not working? I think perhaps we can all agree there's some room for improvement. Again, not that we are, you know, the saviors necessarily, but osteopathic principles honoring what's possible and the self-healing, regulating, and health maintenance capacity of the individuals who are members of this world. If we honor that in all of them, it can improve the health of the whole, or maybe restore it. You know, if we're considering grand design and that inherent health capacity that's there at our origin, perhaps it's more restoration, you know, that we can think of taking place. The other opener I considered and have used in some various written pieces is that health really is all around, or health actually is all around, to make a play on words from the movie Love Actually. And that's something I did illustrate in the latter half of the lecture. Maybe we'll do a bit right now. So we first looked at health in a linear way, where you see the person on one side of the page and health as a destination. And that line can be very straight and clear and well-paved and articulated in the beginning for all. And continuously for some, it can become bumpier or have a steeper hill involved for others. There can be roadblocks. You know, there can be things that obstruct the path and the path really hasn't changed. We just can't see around the obstruction enough to know that the health is still there just as near as it ever was, but we've been obstructed by it. We might get turned around. You know, certain things in our life might change our perception or our viewpoint, and suddenly you know, health hasn't moved, but we have. We're looking the wrong way. Or we can't get there because we're carrying so many other things. You know, we're giving piggyback rides to our children and our parents and our extended family and our patients and our community And even if that path hasn't been obstructed at all, and it's just as clear and as well-paved as ever, we're just too burdened 
to start to move forward for ourselves. And in that exercise, I would ask for us to think about, you know, what those obstructions might be. What are some means of removing them? Or can we carve a path around? Can we ask for help? Do we need different tools? You know, if we weren't able-bodied, are we able to get a vehicle to take us there? Are we able to take turns? You know, have a partner who will carry the burden some of the way and together we can begin to make process progress forward. And so that's one way to consider it. But the other way, which to me is more osteopathic in its origin, is to picture more universal concept of health, a more circular or ideally like spherical visualization of health and that we're in it. And if we think of it like a water drop and you can't distinguish, you know, if you're a part of that droplet of water where you begin and end and where the universe picks up and where your neighbors are, if we're all in that pool together, we could see where the influences would be on the whole. You know, if it's being contaminated or if it's being evaporated, you know, if there's too much energy drawing it out, what the influences are there and how important it then becomes to care for yourself because every decision you make directly and indistinguishably affects the collective and vice versa. You know, the poor choices of others are influencing you and how can you be an advocate for good choices that benefit all? And those are the two ways we looked at health. And I'm going to continue to expand on those and be interested for any feedback that you have on what those bring up for you, you know, visually and conceptually. The other piece that came up during the time between when I I recorded the previous podcast and now, and actually it was just a couple days after that one was completed, was an article in The New Yorker calling for physicians to organize. And it was by Eric Topol, T-O-P-O-L. I believe it was on August 5th, if you want to look it up. And his point was that physicians are not behaving in a cooperative fashion that harnesses the true power for the number of physicians that are in the U.S. and the capacity they could have for change of the health system for themselves and ideally for the care of their patients, we're missing the mark. You know, we have various professional organizations of which we are members, some mandatory because of licensure purposes, others voluntary. But when we're in such small groups, we lose some of that collective power. And I like to think of it, you know, as these cogs that are turning and they might move something forward, but if they were all able to engage, if those gears were able to interact, there's so much more power that can be generated and we could turn the wheel or move the needle or shift the lever more toward the improvement in our systems and for ourselves, which should ultimately improve the care of patients. And when I think about what is a common goal or a common value that we all share, it can look different from specialty to specialty. If we think about 
reimbursement and procedural priorities and work hours and impacts of documentation and electronic health records and you know, pharmaceutical influence, it's different in various specialties. We have different influences. There are, are things that impact us on greater scale. But if I look across all specialties and beyond specialties and beyond the practice of medicine, in fact, one thing I would think that we can all agree upon and stand behind and harness our energy toward would be health, the health, the health of all things, the health of, I'd say humanity, but broader than that. So maybe health and humanity. And what would it look like if we collectively linked arms and stood behind that, which is what this osteopathic life is calling for, you know, drawing on the call to action from the Dalai Lama for a revolution of compassion, which to me speaks to advocating for and nurturing, cultivating, prioritizing, elevating the health of all things. And the quote that stood out to me from this article was this. It's possible to imagine a new organization of doctors that has nothing to do with the business of medicine and everything to do with promoting the health of patients and adroitly confronting the transformational challenges that lie ahead for the medical profession. Such an organization wouldn't be a trade guild protecting the interests of doctors. It would be a doctor's organization devoted to patients. Its top priority might be restoring the human factor, the essence of medicine, which has slipped away, taking with it the patient-doctor relationship. And I read this three, four, five, eleven times and felt encouraged that it was affirming from an author who, to be fair, was also promoting his book, which talked some about artificial intelligence. I haven't read the book yet. I'll do that and you know, get back to you. But he was calling for that which I've heard, you know, the call internally, externally, personally, professionally to remember what it is we're fighting for. And if it truly is the health, how are we doing that? And why aren't we working better together? Because while we might have, like I said, those specific priorities in other areas, health is common. We need health of ourselves, of our patients, of our communities, of the world. And it's broad, to be sure. And there are positives and negatives about that. But it gives us some latitude to say, I'm advocating for the health, and in my world, it looks like this. And in my current state in life, I'm able to do this. And I recognize that it looks like this for you, and I support your efforts in that arena. How can I be of service to that? And also recognize that as we do that, as we put drops in the bucket of health, all of us get better, right? The, all the boats rise if we're raising the tide for that. And from the lecturing experience, from the Health Policy Fellowship, from this podcast, from the blogs, from living in my two towns, that is my hope, and that is also what I truly believe we are being called to serve. 
the health of all things with the skills that we have, where we live, where we work, with the patients we see, with our families at home, and with ourselves. And I do believe that physician wellness can be improved by being a participant in advocacy in micro or macro ways. And many will say, you know, we're so busy, there's no more time for that. But also, and I'm going out on a bit of a limb with this, I truly don't see that burnout is always directly related to too much work or too many work hours, but in work that feels futile and frustrating and not aligned with the desire to serve the health on a personal scale with patients, on a professional scale with ourselves and our organizations, and on a more global scale in our communities and in our world. And the opportunity to be an advocate and an agent of change can be an antidote to that burnout factor. Not obviously because you're taking on more work, but because you're remembering and participating and work that more closely aligns with the core values you took into your practice of medicine and in many professions into why you're serving who it is you serve in the first place. So those are my takeaways from these two weeks. Thanks for being patient and thanks for stopping in to listen to the podcast today. Challenge you a couple ways to that gratitude journal to writing down and prioritizing those things that sometimes fall off the list for me. It'll be scheduling a time slot just like I would a patient appointment for the podcast as well as my nightly check-in for the blogs reflecting on the experience of the Health Policy Fellowship. And I encourage you to get involved and advocate for yourself, for your patients, for your community, for your family, and for the health This is Dr. Millie Beakey with This Osteopathic Life. Thank you for listening.